Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Tyler, he, him, his. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And today, you can smell it cooking, you can you can see the food, it's delicious, it's great, and you just want to, like, lick the screen. That's right, we're talking about mo- fo- movies with food in them. <laughs> that's the, that's Such the, weird. <laughs> that's the topic. You've never wanted to lick the screen, Jen? Um, I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) Jen, we've all seen Henry Cavill. It's fine. We know this is the energy I'm bringing today. I don't know what, what that's about, but Hey, here we are. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about movies that center around food as a concept, uh, which also content warning. If food is a triggering thing for you, this may not be the episode for you as well um just because yeah that's a whole thing too so food is triggering for you we're going to be talking about movies with food in them probably going to be talking about food a little bit today as well so you know head out now come back for the next one the next one will be about human brains as food so i guess that's helpful anyway (laughs) (laughs) um so that's a preview for next time will be a a little zombie but uh for today we're talking about food movies and my get to know you question is less about movies in general. And Jen, what is your most memorable meal you've ever had? That is and an why is it meals question. you prepare for D&D? It's not. <laughs> but thank you. I would hope all the meals I prepare y'all for D&D are the most memorable meals you've ever had. You do a had. good job. You do a really um, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing says a bowl of pasta like the indie. Um, That's true. I would say two come to mind and I can never remember the name of it, but it's the thing where you have the chicken and the ham and the cheese. Chicken and ham. Oh, like, uh, um, like it's chicken. And then like, like inside of it is ham and cheese. And it's fancy. Oh, um, chicken, is it corn, corn on blue? blue? Yeah. Yeah. I had that at a wedding once. Delicious. Nice. And then, and then, um, actually, another one comes to mind, but then I would say this is above that. So, uh, deep fried risotto balls in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. In, I had those for the first time in Italy from a little street vendor. Actually, just all the food in Italy. Okay. All the food (laughs) in Italy. There, because I was like, I also had like, like Belgian waffles from a street vendor in Italy that were just so good um and i really like risotto there you go excellent excellent choices all very you're so word worldly you've been to so many places i've been well risotto and cordon bleu were california-based meals but the 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 deep fried risotto was italy yeah i think for me this is hard because i i pride myself in being a good cook i will say that you are a good cook. Thank you you very get me much. to eat vegetables sometimes. So yeah. that does something. Yeah. I pride myself on being a really good cook, but there's there's this psychological thing with cooking that if you're the one who prepared the food, it doesn't taste as good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is I like an actual thing. I hate cooking for myself. I enjoy cooking for others. Yeah. And I do too. Uh, I, I joke that my love language is acts of service, specifically making food for people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think my most memorable meal ever, uh, and I'm excited because this weekend I'm going to get to go to this restaurant again. There's a restaurant uh, in Central California. Shout out, not sponsored. Ember is the name of this restaurant. It's a little farm to table, like menu changes every month. It's a little expensive, but like got some of the best food on the planet. Everything is like, not everything, but most things are like wood fire cooked. So Mm -hmm. they have like a a big wood fire pizza oven and they cook like, their flatbread pizzas in it they cook like their meat products in it like it's so good and it's all Mm -hmm. like really fresh ingredients super delicious and the main thing from this meal that is so delicious it's the it's the it's the dessert i get every time i go there is a like ice cream cake but it's s'mores so it's like chocolate cake Mm -hmm. with caramel ice cream and then mm-hmm. uh, ice cream, a, so good. a big homemade marshmallow on top. Beautiful. And then they throw that whole thing into the wood oven and yes. melt the marshmallow just long enough to melt the marshmallow and not melt the ice cream. And it is that's a, that's beautiful. That's challenging. Yeah. That sounds delicious. It's amazing. And they were up for a Michelin star. I don't think they got it, but they were up for one, which is that's really so cool. impressive. Yeah. So, so that would be my that would be mine. And I've eaten there multiple times. It's my favorite restaurant. I've ever been to mm-hmm. and I get to go there this weekend which is exciting nice. yeah very exciting food anyway, is yummy food is delicious <laughs> absolutely uh all food is delicious and all food is good yay <laughs> all right so without any further ado that's discussion on food I, I can you tell I haven't had lunch yet um that's <laughs> that's the discussion on food for this one and instead we're gonna dive into our characters from movies about food so Jen I believe you have a new client I do and prior we have not spoken at all about who we picked sometimes we give each other heads up so um go on a journey with me Tyler to Uh Paris France excellent we didn't pick the same thing (laughs) okay good well yay (laughs) automatic setting differences so we're good yeah and um I I am a therapist in Paris and I have a new female client named Colette. Mm. She is a chef at Gusto's. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Um, which is one of the best restaurants here. Um, and she is coming in dealing with um, one a little with some grief. Um, their their Gusto passed away, um, and she has been working there and known uh, the family and the community that he established there for many years and is feeling the frustrations of being the only female in the kitchen and not getting the the credits that she deserves and feeling as though uh, everyone overlooks her because she is female, um, that things as the business side of grieving has taken over the kitchen and like transitioning people in a new head chef and I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce all the different terms um, in French for the names of the chef position so just a new head chef um, and not getting along with him and really struggling as they also bring on um, this new uh, busboy who's starting to actually cook in the kitchen and who the hell does he think he is but really we're dealing with just some good old like feminist conversations of what it's like to be female in the male-dominated cooking industry because it is a very male-dominated industry 
Um, you can be a sh cook at home, but to be a professional chef is a male-dominated world. And her constantly feeling like she needs to be tough and needs to be aggressive and assertive and liking those values in herself. But because of the culture that we live in, those values are considered bitchy. Um, you're not a boss, you're bossy. Um, and how do we kind of have that open conversation and talking about it with her and learning to be like compassionate for ourselves and talking about the cultural narrative and the actual culture within the cooking community and that narrative within itself in her position and roles and giving her an opportunity to explore her own identity and how to be able to be who you are and value the things that make you a strong and assertive female in this industry without feeling like you have to fall victim or change who you are or adjust how we say things to be nice and kind but then we're not going to be taken seriously if we do but then if we go too hard what does that mean are we now the bitch and it's like okay well one is that a bad thing you know like how does that affect how we see ourselves and how do we stand up to our male counterparts in the kitchen and tell them off in a way that they're actually going to hear us and how do we stand up to our new boss and kind of do role plays with her and give her an opportunity to to talk about these things and it is a real conversation that I have with so many of my female clients and male clients and individuals people um, you know even within the non-binary community the struggle with perception of gender and gender roles and what it means to be female male or a person um, in very gender rolled career paths um, and that struggle of just kind of feeling comfortable with who you are and asserting yourself and not feeling like you have to compromise on your values to be heard in your industry so for Colette especially now that this new person has come in um, and realizing that maybe not all the men in this industry are assholes maybe it's just a culture that her kitchen has uh, developed since Gusto's passing and how do we relax and enjoy cooking again because I think the conversation there would be of she really has a passion and love for cooking and creating dishes and this is an art form for her and we would talk about why she chose this industry why she has this passion and love for cooking and how do we not let the industry get in the way of her enjoying that and I think through um through now teaching someone else Gustav's dishes and how things are done, helping her tap back into that innocent side of cooking again and that joy of cooking again. Um, I think then, so like that's that first layer. And then the second layer for her would be talking about where the trust issues are coming from. Um, she says that she hates being lied to. She has a very strong wall when it comes to trust and feeling portrayed easily. So we would talk about like heartache and grief and places in her life where she has felt lied to and felt taken advantage of. And what has that narrative done to create who to create our boundaries today? 
And so often I talk about this as like, we have this part of ourselves that is really, really good at their job. And their job is to make sure that we never get hurt ever again. And they will do everything in their power to make sure that we never get hurt ever again, even if it means jumping to the worst possible conclusions, saying the worst possible things to ourselves so that we believe it before anyone else does and not letting us get close to anyone else ever. They're that good at this job. (laughs) And, you know, they are that ultimate protector. So we're going to assume that this person's lying so we don't get hurt when we find out they are. We're going to assume this person is shady and they're out to get our job and they're trying to manipulate us and take advantage of us so it doesn't hurt when we do it. But then that makes it really hard to make friends and get close to people and like let down your guard and trust others. Um, So helping her trust herself of noticing red flags, noticing what it looks like when we think someone is lying to us and re-narrate or reauthor those stories of what trust means so you know looking back of like well when you were a teenager this happened what was your your, what was in your power back then what was in your control maybe it wasn't your teenage self's fault for heartache or your um you know if you were in your early 20s and you were experiencing love for the first time maybe it wasn't your fault that those things happened and we can learn from those things and let that protective part trust that we have learned from those things take those tools with us and say this is how we're going to trust others again while still being mindful of what our needs are that you know we're not going to go in blindly and pretend like nothing bad is ever going to happen ever again but we can go in cautiously and wisely and notice red flags sooner and be able to listen when someone is telling us something and not just jump to a conclusion So again, we have like female dominated industry conversations, we have trust conversations. And then as we work our way through our dinner plates of this movie, um, learning to uh, follow our hearts and let ourselves take risks and change and, you know, being able to say like, I'm worth making this change over. I'm worth following what I think is the right thing to do. And I think with her, there would be a lot of trust building with even us. I see her as one of those clients where she has like that one friend that is like, girl, go see a therapist. And she's like, I don't need one. I'm fine. I don't need to talk to anyone. And eventually just kind of like gets forced into it. But once we build that trust in that relationship of like, you can really just sit here and complain for the hour if that is what you need at first. Um, Tell me about how much your boss sucks. That's fine. Uh, So as we build that trust, being able to get into these deeper issues and, you know, even inviting her at times like, hey, bring bring some food in. Tell me about this dish or bring a recipe and talk to me about why this recipe is important and bringing in the things that she enjoys doing into therapy. Um, And I would I would love to see like I know it's in like a anything goes kind of therapy office it would be cool to have like a kitchen set up where she could like talk and cook something at the same time and put her in her element where she feels safe to be in and get her talking at the same time like walk talk therapy but like cook talk therapy um would be kind of cool with her so that's my thoughts on collect from ratatouille by the way if you didn't figure it out we're talking about ratatouille i don't think i said that at the beginning (laughs) yes the rat patootie movie um 
Yeah, I mean, wonderful. Thank you. That was great. I think the thing that really stuck out to me uh, is talking about gender roles, especially in kitchen environments, because yeah. woof, it's woof. Um, the movie yeah, illustrates it pretty well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, in order to, you know, especially in like a classical French kitchen, um, a lot of that stuff of I've had clients who have worked in those kinds of environments. I, you know, I worked in food service for a very long time. There is like a gender yeah. discrimination thing that happens that is really rough in that industry mm -hmm. and I'm hoping it's better now I don't know it's been a while since I've heard anybody talk about but probably not <laughs> probably not like um yeah. even like when we're, I me and my family love cooking shows and like food network competition shows like there is still so many more men in these shows oh, yeah. than not and then when they do talk, have a female in a tournament or it's all females in the finals, they make a point to say how incredible it is. So yeah. to me that they're making a point to say it, meaning that like, it's still an issue. Yeah. Like it's still like, it's great that they're recognizing and honoring and like these women are stepping up. But like, that just means like, if they have to make a point to say like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. We have four women in the finals. You never see that. That means yeah. like, it's not common enough anymore still. Yeah. <gasps> No, and it's uh, this one in particular is wild to me because it's one of those hypocritical things of society where it's like, you know, women must be the cooks at home, da 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 da. But then as soon as you get into professional cooking, it's like, no, men right. only. <laughs> at the preschool I worked at, so often we would have dads being so mad that their sons were playing in the home living center and cooking. And it's like, you know, the cooking industry is a male dominated career path, but you're not supposed to be cooking at home. What? <laughs> This does and not also, make sense. you don't want your child to be like an independent individual. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. I guess they'll never, they'll starve in college. Cool. Good for them. Yeah. They're <laughs> going to be that person eating ramen for every meal because yes. you, you refuse to teach them how to cook, mm -hmm. which is. But the barbecue is okay. The, yeah. the stovetop. Yeah. No, you can barbecue. grill. Yeah. Which so. makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is your reminder that the patriarchy makes no sense. Welcome to uh, Stories right. with Shrinks where we. Yeah. Where we sit With here every and week, we remind no you sense. that this is off. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. So tell me what about Colette made her your choice? Um, so this was Tyler's suggestion this week was movies about food. So yeah. I Googled movies about food. <laughs> nice. To see what options there were. And while I've seen a whole bunch of them, when I saw Ratatouille, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I'm gonna do that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love the movie. It's a fun movie, and uh, while there's a lot of fun dialogue to be had, like I think, just as the female of the podcast, I do tend to pick my female counterpart characters, sure. and she is great and a fantastic character. And I truly empathize and relate to. I have to toughen up to to be part of an industry, mm -hmm. uh, and. She's cool. I like her. That's why. Nice. <laughs> I like Excellent. her. Excellent. No, she's a great character. She's a cool she's character. Awesome. She also roller skates, and that's fun. And yeah, rides a little she's... moped, and that's fun. And she's a total takes badass. no crap. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's that's reason enough. She's a yeah. total badass. She's a total badass. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, and thank mm -hmm. you all for listening to part one. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more stories with shrinks. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where I just finished up Ratatouille talking about Colette as we continue our deep dive into movies about food. So delicious. Tyler, I do believe you have a new character. 
I do, and it's gonna it's about to get real. I don't know why I'm like this, Jen. I'm so sorry. You bring the dark and I make it funny at the end. <laughs> or it's vice versa, where I'm just like, this is dark, and then you're like To be fair, this movie this self is not that dark. The movie itself is really good. I just know you and me, and this is gonna press some personal buttons. That's all. It's not that it's I'm bringing something really dark. Let's do um, it. and you'll know as soon as I tell you. I'm doing the movie Chef. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't seen it. Oh, you should. It's so good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, it's in it's my on that, top five. It's on that to watch list. I think my mom and sister have seen it. I just haven't yet. I have it on DVD if you want to borrow it. Okay. Um, well, I, we anyway. might have it on DVD, yeah. Yeah, it's great. But you'll see. Don't worry, you'll find <laughs> out. Uh, I am I am talking to Percy Casper from the movie Chef. Percy is 11 years old, cisgender. I'm not going to I'm not going to ask about sexuality at this point. Mm -hmm. he, he is who he is. Uh, he's biracial, Cuban and white Euro-American. Um, and we are talking primarily about his parents divorce and his relationship with his father. And so uh, he is 11 years old. So this also is a good chance to talk about like, what does therapy look like with an 11 year old? Because they're a little too old for traditional play therapy. They're a little too young for fully traditional talk therapy. So what does this end up looking like? Uh, and I think first thing with any of this is like, yes, he's obviously coming in to process some stuff uh, and to talk about his life. And his mom has kind of told me a little bit about what's going on. Mom has full custody, has full availability for kids. So but like does not dad does not have medical decision making. He just has visitation. Um, so that means I only need mom's consent for therapy. However, considering a lot of this is going to be about him and his dad, I would love for his dad to be involved in some way to consult or to come in and, you know, that kind of a thing. But I only need mom's consent. And so I'm getting mom's side of the story, which is that she and dad divorced. And uh, ever since then, dad has visitation, but he works in the food industry. He's a chef at a restaurant, an executive chef, and uh, doesn't have a lot of time and doesn't make a lot of time for his kid. Uh, the times that they do spend together are like maybe two hours, three hours, and then he brings him back um, because, you know, uh, Inez, who is the mother, thinks that maybe he just doesn't know how to be around a kid. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe the thing. Uh, and so these early stages of therapy, obviously, there's stuff that he needs to process, come in and talk about. He's also 11. Uh, I'm not going to pressure him into talking about these topics beyond what he wants to bring up and talk about in a session, especially early on. I am a stranger to him. I want to build trust. I want to build like, you know, a good therapeutic relationship like you would with any client. But with this age group in particular, there is a distrust of adults. There mm -hmm. is a distrust of strangers. Like, I'm not going to just sit there and be like, all right, so tell me. What what is what comes up when your dad doesn't show up when he's supposed to? Like, I'm not gonna do that. Um more likely than not, the type of therapy we're gonna be doing is like a is a spin-on play therapy in that we're gonna be playing board games. We're gonna be playing like maybe I've played video games with these kind these this age group before. Um I learned a whole lot about Roblox through one of my eleven year old clients. I had never played it before. And so that was actually kind of fun to have them be like, show me what I need to do. Um and they would be like, okay, we're gonna go play this game. And it would be like Dance Dance Revolution, but in Roblox. Yeah. Roblox is wild, I guess it is, is the answer. It's a wild game. Yeah. 
but I've played Minecraft with clients. I've I've done all sorts of different ways of you know twisting that play therapy model because the traditional play therapy model is more for kids who are like four, five, six, seven, eight, like in that younger childhood phase where they can go into a room full of toys and just start playing with toys. An 11 year old is at that age where they're kind of like, I, that, this is dumb. Why are you having me do this? Um, so something a little more structured is helpful. Uh, board games, uh, sand tray therapy also is really good for this age group. Um, you know, that kind of stuff, art. Uh, I, I'll do a lot of art as well. Um, but stuff that is fun. I guess is really the thing. And it depends on what the kids into and what they really like um, for Percy. I know at the beginning of the story of the movie, he's like into video games a little bit and into his phone a little bit. So more likely with that age group, we'd be playing like Minecraft, Roblox, something like that. And going like, Hey, let's build this thing together and we'll work together. And while we're doing that, we might talk similar to what you were saying before with like walk and talk therapy or like cook <laughs> and talk therapy. It's like, you know, Hey, We'll we'll work on this thing in Minecraft together, but we're going to talk while we do that. And like, hey, you know, just very general, how are you doing? Like, what's going on in your life right now? And asking, like, what's going on with mom? What's going on with dad? Like, not leading those questions with, like, aren't you disappointed when dad doesn't show up? Like, we're not going to do that. But we're instead just going to ask very general, very vague questions, which I'm very good at. My clients hate that I ask such mm -hmm. vague questions. Mm -hmm. They're like, could you be more specific? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, I can't. Sorry. I don't want to lead you. I want you to lead me. Like it has to be vague in that way. And so just like, how are things with dad? What's going on there? And then over time. So we're going to fast forward a little bit in time here. So that's the start of Percy's journey with me. Over time, we build this relationship. We talk about this stuff. We talk about how he is disappointed that his dad isn't more available in his life and how he wishes he had more, you know, interaction with his dad. And then I have a consult with Inez and she says, oh, yeah, for the summer, uh, Percy's going to be traveling with his dad from Florida all the way back to L.A. in the back of a food truck. And now we get to some of the legal ethical stuff that comes up for this particular thing. And here's the thing. I don't think I would stop treatment with Percy just because of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the uh, this is the reasoning behind that. So legally, by the letter of the law, if Percy is not in California, I am not allowed to see him. Mm -hmm. That is the legal boundary of my license. However, Percy is going to be doing this like month long road trip across the country He's not going to be in any state for longer than a little bit. And he's still a resident of California. He's not mm -hmm. leaving California to move somewhere else. I'm willing to bend that rule. Mm -hmm. Now, I. And yeah. I know you can actually call the BBS and call your legal team and they will mm -hmm. help you get that exceptional rule yeah. made. Yes, you can you can make the right calls to do this the right way. And mm -hmm. that was sort of the thing I was going to say next yes. is like, <laughs> I'm going to bend that rule and I'm going to talk to people who know more than I do about the legal, you know, bendiness of that law. Because some laws are rigid and some laws are wiggly. Mm -hmm. So... There is wiggliness in that law, but you have to get some consultation around it. Uh, you can't just do it. Uh, but looking at that idea of like, okay, he's going to be in Florida. He's going to be in Georgia. He's going to be in like Texas. Like these are the locations from the movie I know for sure. 
um, and going sort of down through the South back up to Los Angeles. And so like having to talk through all of that of like, okay, well, if I'm meeting with him once a week, that's four sessions and he's going to probably be in four different States Mm -hmm. in each of the, during each of those sessions, let's talk about what that's going to look like. And on part of that is I want him to be able to process what's going on. And I want to process what's it like now that dad's around more because dad is going to be with him 24 hours a day for like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that like now? What is that going to look like? What's the experience like? And like talking him through these experiences of like, oh, we went to Florida and we spent a bunch of time cleaning out this food truck and making sure it was good to go and like repla- replacing the the stuff in it. And like, I learned how to grill this thing safely and not burn myself. And like, I'm being supervised while I do it, which is something you want to check in mm-hmm. on. Um, and like getting to hear how excited he is to spend time with his dad doing this important thing that is important to both of them that they really love as they are journeying across the country as he's experiencing all these things. And that's what that therapy would evolve into. He's an 11 year old kid. He's not going to be telling me about any problems or complaints at this point. We're just going to be processing like we did this thing and it was so cool and so amazing and so great. And then when he gets back home processing, okay, well now you're not with dad 24 seven anymore and dad's busy again what's this look like now versus what it looked like before. And again, in an age appropriate way, right? (laughs) I'm not going to ask him that specific question, but I'm going to be like, you know, before you left with your dad, you were feeling a little disappointed. You were feeling a little bit sad about some of this stuff. Where are you at with this now? Now that he's not around as much anymore, but you feel closer to him because of this experience together. What does that look like? And processing through that sort of before during and after of this road trip where he gets to connect with his dad in a totally different way and that would be it we would continue on from there but i think that would help with most of the stuff he came in originally eventually we'd end probably not that much longer after Mm -hmm. that absolutely that would be my work with percy yes oh 11 is such a like awkward age in the therapeutic room because again like too young for this too old for that but then so often Mm -hmm. sometimes they want that younger stuff especially if they have been forced to be like more mature and adultish depending on like circumstances it's like oh I want to go play with the toys actually because I don't get to do this anymore or then sometimes it's like absolutely not I don't even want to be in a playroom yeah I am too old for this so (laughs) but board games can be such a good opening door conversation and yes Roblox is so interesting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they've made every video game in roblox i'm yes. i'm convinced <laughs> yes absolutely so i know probably why chef you mentioned you know top top five there but why why this world yeah well first of all i love the movie the movie's incredible it's a great exploration of culture through food um you know they go through different parts of the u.s and they talk about food in different places they start in florida and there's a scene in like this beautiful cuban restaurant and they have beautiful cuban food and that's what they end up serving on the food truck is mostly cuban food um and then you get to like uh louisiana and they go to new orleans and they have beignets and they have like a po' boy and they mm-hmm. have like these culturally significant foods from all these areas they go to austin and have barbecue like it's it's a really excellent exploration of american culture specifically through food because mm-hmm. our country is so like culturally different in so many different areas mm-hmm. and that's part of why i love the movie is just that and and it is food porn like it is just like 
you watch them cook these meals and you see them do all the ingredients and you're just like this is the this is the closest thing to a sexual experience through food that you can right right um and it is incredible so that that's the movie itself i was like have you seen the movie chocolate (laughs) yes i have okay i was like that's another one of those sexual experiences through food yeah Johnny Depp's chocolate. Yes, I have. I have yeah. seen Johnny Depp in the movie Chocolate. Yeah, um, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so picking so Percy specifically. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, which is why I wanted to do this topic. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I originally was going to do Carl Casper, who is his dad, mm-hmm. and talk about that experience. But it was like this is just another, you know, 40s cishet white guy who's not with it. And that didn't seem that interesting to Mm me. Uh, And then I remembered why I emotionally connect with this movie. It's not just the food porn. It's because Percy as a character I relate to pretty heavily. Um, And I have some personal experience with having, you know, parents separating and having Mm -hmm. a distant father. Um, What this movie doesn't relate to... No yeah, one no. on this podcast. Different outcome uh-huh. for sure, yeah. but uh, di- definitely a different outcome. And that's why I, that's why I joked with Jen, like, ah, it's gonna get real, uh, is because we, you know, without getting too detailed about that, families we both, are weird this week. Yeah, yeah families family are weird. Stuff coming up in the last couple of weeks with so specifically people that are, you know, in this distanced relationship. Yes. Um, <sighs> I think that's as as uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as detailed as we're gonna get with that, but like. Uh, it's like this is gonna get real and that's probably why it was on the brain for me anyway yeah um this movie definitely does for me anyway does feel like wish fulfillment in a Mm -hmm. weird way Mm -hmm. Uh, um i mean that's usually why we pick most of the films we do it's like you know personally like i've been dealing with a rat trying to control my my hair to get me to cook better for sure yeah Yeah, i didn't (laughs) want to mention it i didn't want to mention it but Mm -hmm. um you've noticed the shadow in my chef hat yeah yeah yeah. well well you don't wear any hats usually Ah, there's just a rat on your head yeah i didn't want to mention it because it seemed rude Uh, uh, this just reminds me of a really random thing I saw on Instagram. And if I find it again, I'll send it to you. There's a drag king that does a performance as Linguini, but it's after, uh, Remy has passed and, and comes in with like a little coffin that says little chef on it. And then halfway through, and it's the, uh, there were nights of endless pleasure. It's that song. And then halfway through the performance lifts the chef hat and it's a little skeleton rat. Oh my gosh his hair <laughs> if i find it again i'll send it to you and i can't remember that drag king's name off the top of my head but it was the most brilliant thing i've ever seen That's in a very amazing. dark macabre way it's yes. so funny so funny um, anyway, yeah we I'll always we always tend to pick things that relate somehow to our world so. Yeah, yeah, and and that's honestly the thing here. It's why this movie is in the top five for mm-hmm. me. It's it's highly relatable. There's also a wish fulfillment piece of it. Like it's, and it's got good food in it. Good uh, this food. is the movie that made me make pasta aglio for the first time, and it's a, like a signature dish of mine now. I make it yeah. all the time. It's super simple. It's super delicious, and we love Italian food because of that. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, it's good. so good. All right. So the that's, reason that's, to yeah. your get to know you question was like, oh, anything I ate in Italy, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good because it's all simple ingredients. Like most dishes are like four ingredients. It's uh, it's beautiful. Anyway, with that, 
If you like what you heard, if you want to hear more, please like, follow, subscribe, stars, thumbs up, whatever your platform chooses you to do in that moment. We appreciate it. But most importantly, if you can share, word of mouth is our best friend. If you're like, hey, these two nerds talk about some cool stuff, take a listen. We would be endlessly appreciative. If you want to find out what episodes are coming down the pipeline, um, as I post them, when I feel like it, you can follow on Stories with Shrinks. I also, yeah. when I feel like it, post just little mental health awareness stuff in our story feed. Um, sometimes topical, sometimes just whatever I'm scrolling that I like and I just share it. Yeah. So you can, again, find us over on Instagram at Stories with Shrinks. Take care, y'all. Bye. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. <laughs>